Welcome to the Mommy Daddy Time Podcast, everyone. In today's episode, we are talking about the three ruts that couples can find themselves in that often become secret struggles. Yeah. They're pretty good. They are really good. But here's the thing. We're not going to be releasing them all at the same time. That's right. This will not be an hour-long episode, ladies and gentlemen. Instead, we're going to try something a little bit different and release these this episode in three segments over the course of the next three days. And here's what's interesting. In this episode, you're going to hear what it's like for us as we struggled through things like our sexual relationship together. Yeah. And our relational relationship. Our relational relationship. Yep. How we connect relationally, how we connect sexually, and even a little bit of a rut involving physical fitness and health too. This is going to be a collection of three amazing episodes. They're going to be a little bit shorter, but also spaced out in terms of how we release them. But we promise the stuff in here is freaking gold people. So don't skip one. Yep. So we talk about our own struggles, and then we'll also give you some tips and tricks on how we got through them. That's right. So sit back, relax, maybe do some dishes, listen to this in the car. But either way, enjoy the episodes. We're starting right now. Hi, I'm Eric Upton. And I'm Christy Upton. We've been married for a while. And we've got three kids. We've also been youth pastors for a long time. In 2017, we left our home and everything we loved in California. And we moved to Arizona. All because God told us to. It's been an adventure, and we still aren't sure what's next. But here we are. We used to do this thing after youth group at our house on Wednesday nights. All our leaders would come over and hang out in our kitchen. Sometimes till three in the morning. It was our favorite night of the week. We called it Mommy Daddy Time. Because it didn't start till after the kids went to bed. Now we're starting a podcast. We're calling it the Mommy Daddy Time Podcast. It's going to be like hanging out with your best friends after the kids go to bed. So if you're looking for our tips and tricks on how we do life, ask us and we'll answer it on the show. So let's get started. Enjoy the show. Three, two, one. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Eric here, and I'm actually by myself in the kitchen recording this right now. And believe it or not, it is 12.49 in the morning on Wednesday. And I'm adding this little part in to let you know that, no, you're not repeating the episode that you just went through yesterday. This is part two of a three-part series. We recorded one whole episode and decided to chop it up into three parts. If you went and heard yesterday's episode, you listened to one of the big ruts that couples often find themselves in, and that's the rut of a, a physical health deficiency. And Christy and I talked through a bunch of things that that kind of impacts and and ways that it can uh, negatively affect a marriage and even how to avoid or get yourself out of that rut. Now, today, we're having an even bigger conversation about an even bigger rut that a lot of couples find themselves in, especially after they have kids, and that's finding themselves in a sexual rut. Dun, dun, dun. That's right. We are talking about the S word and we're going into a lot of details. And this was probably one of the most fun conversations. Also, one of the most vulnerable conversations and real ones we've had in a long time, especially publicly about our sex life. So 
enjoy this episode. Part three comes out tomorrow. So stay tuned for that and make sure that you're sharing this stuff on social media so that more people can experience it. We love you guys. Thanks for being a part of the best team on iTunes. We're so excited for you guys to hear this episode. Enjoy the one with the sexual rut. Ready for rut number two? Let's do it. This is a big one, people. We told you we were going to talk about this from time to time on the show, and we are not shying away from it. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the part where if you're listening with kids, you want to encourage them to put earmuffs on. I'll give you a moment. Okay, good. (laughs) A sexual rut. This is so big for so many couples in marriage. Yeah. Getting into a sexual rut happens so easily, especially after kids. Yeah. And it's such a struggle because no one wants to talk about it. Yeah. Like, let's be honest. I'm in a a women's Bible study group, specifically at a church. I don't really want to go to them and be like, me and my husband are having issues with sex. Thanks for not going to them and saying that, by the way, as your husband. (laughs) There's... It's there's and my point exactly. There is judgment now on the husband. Right. There's How are they judgment look at now him on, when he on the walks men. The church every and, single week. They're like, right, mm, on the woman's not performing. Right, <laughs> and so there's this struggle that you're not allowed to talk about if you are having issues, and then there's also a struggle that if there is issues, and then you can't even talk about it or figure it out with yeah. a good you know, some people who can hold you accountable or even just have ideas. I don't know. Like, no. And, it's and just, isn't it sad though? Because it's here's, a struggle. here's what's interesting. You said that no one's talking about it. And instantly what was fascinating to me is I think no one in the circles who should be talking about it are actually talking about it, mm. but everyone outside of the circles who should be talking about it are talking about it. I would agree so, like, with that. There's a lot of podcasts out there that are honestly and openly talking about sex. And actually there's probably a couple podcasts that I know of that are doing it really, really well. Yeah. Um, and I'm not afraid to mention them right, right here, right now. Like the it. moral revolution podcast with Cole and Caitlin Zick. Mm-hmm. I think they do a phenomenal job yes. of having, having open and honest conversations about sex. Um, I think the, the people over at marriage 365 are consistently talking about sex in a very healthy manner. But by and large, like you said, inside the church, it's not being talked about as frequently or openly as it really should. No. And especially after you become a parent, it's, it's one of those things that isn't talked about in the circles that should be talking about it. And I think it's largely because those circles spend more time disseminating information and um, I'm trying to put the right words to it. They disseminate information and they, they give their ideas on what should and should not be happening in your life, but they don't work very hard on building relational trust with you first. Yeah. So because it's a constant outflow of this is what you should think and feel and do and think and feel and do. Yeah. And there's not that talk back. There's no actual trust really being built the way that it normally would be in a friendship or a relationship or something like that. What's interesting is one of the reasons I think we have a hard time talking in our church circles about this stuff, like in small groups or table groups Mm -hmm. or something like that is because that relational trust hasn't been developed very well. 
And so we look at it and we think, well, if I share this thing about the sexual struggle that I'm having, yeah. um, they're not going to receive this information in a way that I can trust. It's not going to be used against me later mm-hmm. or used against my partner later. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Or now you have this um, stigma over you that like you feel like you have. Right. When you walk into church together as a couple. Totally. You're like, oh, everyone knows. And I think the other hard part, too, is because of the nature of the way that these circles often work, you never come back to this subject. Like, people are terrible about following up with it. Mm -hmm. So now you, like, two, three, four, six months later, you keep coming back to church. It's never been re-brought up. No one's ever asked you about it. No one's ever followed up. And you're looking at it like... the awkward conversation doesn't want to be brought up and be awkward yeah. again well and like you're just worried that like they're you know six months down the line they're when things are like better now mm-hmm. no one's asked you about it and you're like well crud they still think i'm having issues you know what i mean yeah and it's like well this is why i can't trust people because they don't care enough to really follow up you know but let's let's kind of get get into it a little bit christy like yeah. we're parents we've got three kids uh yeah. soon to be eight and under and we're, it feels like we're constantly moving through the life stages as parents. Yeah. And we have experienced at least three different stages of impact on our sex life. Yeah. For sure. Yep. Number when one, two, yeah. and three. Well, <laughs> what I mean is like when they were infants, that impacted our sex life in a different way than when mm-hmm. they were toddlers, than where they're at now, which is out like we have three that are outside of the toddler stage. Yeah. They're fully they're all kids. in their own beds. Yeah. Now. So our sex life has changed again now versus what it was when they were first born. Right. Yep. So let's talk about this um, in, I guess, a little bit of detail. Like, so sex, when they were first born for you and me, it, it was an interesting thing because it was trying to figure out where can we fit our intimate moments in between feedings and cryings and changings and co-sleepings and that sort of a thing, Yeah, which was not always easy. Plus my work schedule, which in ministry was crazy. Yeah. And so there were moments where I remember having this conversation where honestly, like we would look at each other and it was just this genuine realization of, wow, we haven't had sex in a while. Yeah. We should probably do that. Yeah. And it was more like, Let's just really make sure we don't go too, too long not right. having sex, right? Yeah. And there were times where like we would be getting into an intimate moment with one another and then one of our kids starts crying or needing something and it killed it. Yeah. Like, well, because that, what, it's like already 10 o'clock by the time like we both kind of emotionally catch up or yep. whatever and then kid cries and then it's like an hour after the kid cries after you like try to put them down and yeah you do a little bit of feeding you do a diaper change you get them put down again and then it's like 11 11 30 and you both are exhausted (laughs) right the mood has passed yeah you're worried that if you touch each other again it's just gonna spark that child because it's like they have a sixth sense and they know sometimes i swear they may yeah they definitely do um so then we transition into the toddler stage which is, I, th- I thought it was even harder to have sex during that stage. Would you agree? Yeah, because they're super dependent and you can't leave them alone unless they're sleeping yeah. and in Like unless crib. it's nap time, you, you're not having sex. Like no. unless they're in bed for the night or it's nap time, you're not having sex. Because if you leave them alone in a room 
for longer than 20 seconds, something terrible is happening. Yep. Like they're just going to destroy something. And then what that does, and this this was interesting to me too, is there were times where I would I would encourage us to have sex. You would finally relent, even though there was a fear of like, we're leaving them alone, awake in another room, something bad is going to happen. We would come out, something bad had happened, and it would almost be the self-fulfilling prophecy and then it would hinder us the next time the potential intimate moment happened. And and they, I'm not saying like it was just you looking at it like, see, I told you. It was both of us. Yeah. Like both of it us walked into that it. next moment where we're like, you know what? Probably not worth it. It just, yeah. Well, and like whenever you do want, like most of those times I did want to have that intimate moment as well. But there were always those like deep-seated fears of what was happening with the kids at yeah. that moment and this like, weird not evaluation just, not like, just is it worth it not just like the mess but are they gonna hurt themselves for sure are they gonna climb up on top of the tv or something our kids were not like immune to climbing on stuff they shouldn't sticking their fingers in electrical sockets sticking other stuff in electrical so- like like they just all of our kids just did yep. stuff yeah so it, it would just it the uh the thoughts that would come through my mind at the moments were were good because I generally did fear for my kids yeah. during childhood. Yeah. Good parenting on us. <laughs> um but it definitely hindered that yeah. that moment. And then even if that moment did happen yeah. very quickly and then very quickly ended. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't mean it that way. I meant I like the damage things had to happen quickly. Please don't judge me when I come back into church, everyone. You've just been invited into <laughs> no. some very personal details of I my meant life. like things had to happen <laughs> quick. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Let me just say, praise the Lord that sometimes it did happen quick. Oh no, don't (laughs) add to it. Here's what we're saying, people. Oh, I'm so red right now. This is awful. Let's Um, talk about it. Let's talk about sex, baby. Um, Because here's the thing, like I'm a guy, right? Like there are a few things that are going to, when I'm in the mood, there are a few things that are going to just absolutely distract me or veer me off course. And there were times where I'm trying to pitch to you like, listen, they're a toddler. They have no formative memories right now. Let's just do it with them in the room. That way they're safe. We're happy and everything's fine. And you're like, no, I'm not going to do that. We can't do that. And and it's it's so funny when you have toddlers, the things that you are willing to do in order to try and keep the intimacy alive, but also the balance you feel you have to keep with like raising toddlers. Yeah. It's really hard. And then you get to the stage that we're kind of in now where you've got three kids. They're out of the toddler stage. Granted, we still have moments where it's like in the middle of the day, we're trying to be intimate. We're trying to have sex and you're, you know, like you're, you're, you're making out and like things look like they're mm-hmm. heading a certain direction and you hear your kids screaming at each other and get into a fight and start crying. And it's like, oh, it's like they know and they hate us all at the same time. Yep. And then, you know, or, or like your kids have not bothered you for a solid hour and a half. Like they have, they have not cared to ask you one single thing. The moment you shut your bedroom door, there's three of them knocking on it with impertinent questions that cannot be solved five minutes from now, but must be handled right then and there. Yep. 
It's the worst. Nothing kills a mood like a knock with a like, door. Knock, 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 mommy. Knock, 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 mommy. Knock, 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 mommy. Yeah. Nothing. No, nothing. Nothing does that. So how do we keep the the sexual intimacy and the romance going? How do we avoid the sexual rut? Let's talk about that briefly. All right. So tip number one. Keep the sexy underwear. Yes. Eric, what does that mean? Oh, this is my favorite one. I don't know if you knew this, but I wrote it. Um, here's what happens oftentimes. Just, and this is honestly from a guy's perspective. Um, the longer you're married, the more kids you have, the greater the temptation to just stop trying when it comes to clothing or looks or how you present yourself to your spouse. And when I wrote Keep the Sexy Underwear, it's kind of this fun way of saying an all-encompassing way of make sure that you're presenting your best self to your partner as often as possible. One of the things that I greatly value about you, Christy, is that over the course of our marriage, almost 10 years now, you have not fallen into the trap of, you know what, I'm married, I've had kids, I want to be comfortable, here come the granny panties and only the granny panties from here on out. Like, you still have really sexy underwear, and I really appreciate that. And now you're turning red. See how this plays both ways? The point being... Well, you just let everybody know. (laughs) Is you have sexy underwear. Yeah. 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 (laughs) My parents may listen to this. Well, you know what, I should have warned them... (laughs) You can stop listening to it now. We just talked about sex throughout three stages of parenting. I'm sure they've turned it off well before this. (laughs) Point being, it's not just about the underwear. Like, for both men and women, as a guy, like, if we just default to basketball shorts and the t-shirts we used to wear in high school that don't fit anymore, if we default to never shaving our face and... um, not taking care of us, our, our, ourselves. If we default to um, just kind of being a slob at home, but only dressing up for work, it communicates a message to our spouse that everyone else is worth like sprucing up for, but you're not. Likewise, from a woman to a man, we've kind of talked about this a number of times before, for you to never do your makeup, for you to always wear yoga pants and a sweatshirt from high school, for you to, you know, only have granny panties in your closet, for all of that stuff to be happening um, for your husband, and yet out in the world, like if it's a work function or uh, friends night out, or if company is coming over, and um, that's when you get dressed up, you're communicating yep. a message to your husband that says everyone else is worth getting fancy for except for you. And that over time can kill intimacy. Yeah. And when it comes to getting out of a sexual rut, one of the quickest and easiest things you can do is just start giving your best self to your partner. Yeah. Anything you would add to that? Uh, The only thing I would add is, you know, whenever I feel good, I look good. And whenever I look good, I feel good. And so making sure that that first physical rut that struggle making sure that that's filled because whenever i feel good i look good and whenever i look good i feel good yep. so just it's just this revolving door yep yeah of and generally the days that i go to the gym like i feel a lot better and so 
you know, I might put on those sexy underwear or, you know, like just try a little bit harder. And we're not saying like women or, or men should always look a certain way and be presentable. It's. It has nothing to do with a specific look. It has nothing to do with specific things. It has everything Everything to do with presenting your best self. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Good. Okay. What's the second one, babe? Uh, Do the emotional work first. Mm, That's a big one. It's it's a big one for me. And it's not always easy for me because I want to jump. Straight in your pants. <laughs> like, there's there's no other way to put that. Like, let's just And that be real. is not something that I want to do. That breaks my heart a little bit. But, Jump yeah, straight. I, I get it. I get it. Like, and that's the thing is for guys, a lot of time, we, a lot of times we want the quick answer. For women, there's a lot of value in doing the emotional work first. Am I right? Yeah, I feel like men, and correct me if I'm wrong, think that by having sex the emotional work has already been done because now she's emotionally met like want their sex and the emotional intimacy is one and the same oftentimes yes we'll we will assume or make an assumption that because i'm being physical with you you automatically know how i feel about you yeah and that's not the case no tell me about that so I, for me, like by the end of the day, I just assume that, I I don't know. I don't even know. Unless, so, so let me ask it a different way. Yeah. What is the difference between when your emotional bucket is filled and intimacy comes after that versus intimacy that's attempted Per, when your emotional bucket is empty. So whenever my emotional bucket is empty and I intimacy is meant to be had or wanting to be had, I feel like it's just another task. It's like wow. I've already done so many tasks for the day and now I'm having to do another task because I'm having to jump from being emotionally drained to giving again. Hmm. Does that make sense? Versus if my emotional bucket has been filled, I'm like, oh, now I have something to be filled or now I can give something and not only give something, but happily give it. And whenever you're in that place where you're happily giving, things are so much better. So much better. So much better. And I think on both both parties. I think that's a really important thing. Like what you said was really, really important. And I, I hope our listeners caught it. I hope you caught it team because there's a significant difference in the sex that you have when your emotional bucket is filled versus when it is empty because when it is empty, sex is another thing to do. But when it is filled, it is something that you want to give that, that, that I think is a huge difference. Yeah. I think, I think that I couldn't have said it any better. Like that's a really big deal. So how let, let's talk about our buckets and the difference between them. There's totally. a lot of different buckets, but and primarily we can only speak from ours, right? Yeah. So like, what are the things that fill your bucket? So for me, uh, spending time with each other, that's my love language. Yeah. So spending time and then acts of kindness, I think would probably be that. Other yeah, one. Acts of service. Acts of service. Yeah. yeah not kindness. Um, so any time that those two are combined, my emotional 
level of feeling loved is really high. So if Eric comes home and he's done the dishes and he wants to have a conversation with me, not just about the kids, but maybe just about his day and my day, like my emotional bucket, my love bucket, like I am full, like I am happy. And then whenever that attempt happens later that night, it's more likely to go very well. Very well. For both parties. Oh, yes. Both parties. And so this is what, and that starts at the very beginning of the day. Talk about that. So... At the very beginning of the day, if there's communication happening through at from the very beginning, if there's communication to be had just by text messages, by maybe a, a small conversation in the beginning of the day, just knowing that I matter to my husband, knowing that he considers me um, special and shows that to me before that attempt later that day happens... It makes a world of difference. Yeah. And what, here's what's funny. So we, I even noticed this today. Like when Chrissy talks about a text message for her, rarely is it like she appreciates when I text her like, hey, I love you. I'm thinking about you. You matter to me. You're the most beautiful woman in the world. Like all those sweet ones are really nice. She enjoys mm-hmm. that. But what's funny is earlier today I was texting her and she was asking me some questions and mostly had to do with logistics. And I kind of caught the gist of where she was trying to go and what she was trying to accomplish by asking the line of questions that she had. So what I did is I just texted her a message back and I said, here's how I see my day going. And then I put a bullet pointed list hour by hour from where we were when we were texting all the way through the end of the day. And I sent that to her. And she responded back with like, oh my gosh, that helps out so much. Thank you. And I texted her like this gif of like, this is Christy when I send her a bullet pointed list of what I expect the day to look like. And I could tell on the other end of my text message that she was just glowing. Like, Like you just really appreciated having a clear picture in bullet points of what that looked like. So for Christy, it's just making plans and showing her I care about her day by sharing mine with her. Yep. And that's specific to you. That's not necessarily all people. That's just specific to you. Yep. For me, what fills my bucket is um, words of affirmation mm-hmm. and also taking the time to dream with me. Yep. Taking that opportunity to spend time and ask me questions about long-term plans, what could be, what might be. Those are big deals to me. Yeah, they are. Because it, it shows that you care about the dreams that I have. The and goals that the you goals have. The goals that I have. And for me and my personality, there are few things that I really geek out on like that kind of stuff. And when you sit down and you take a break from the immediate day-to-day and say, this is something I'm willing to invest time in, like let's talk about farther out from now, that means a ton to me. Yeah, A ton does. to me. Um, okay. So I think the last couple things that we would say about avoiding a sexual rut would be be clear about wanting sex and pursue sex with your partner. So Yeah, so if it's not even communicated that it's being like... If that it's desired? It's desired. Then, over time, both parties will assume it's not. Yeah, and then not only will both parties assume that it's not, but both parties will wonder if they're even 
attra- like Ooh, there's attraction. Yeah. If they're and even desired. Even if they're desired. And, and then you once start to you start if it's your to fault, huh? totally it just eats away at that yeah. that perspective. Yeah. Ah, there's so bad. There's three things that, that kill a marriage. And if we haven't mentioned it before, we're mentioning it now and we'll keep coming back to these things. But the three most common things that kill marriage are disagreements about kids, disagreements about money, and disagreements about sex. Yep. And that sex one, not having sex, not talking about sex, not being clear about wanting sex, not communicating about sex, that is a marriage killer. Yeah. Set that up. Yeah. Make sure you're being clear. Make sure you're pursuing it with your partner. And then I like this last one that you added in there, Christy. What was it? <laughs> Try new things. In the bedroom. Totally. It's like when I you mean, open a fortune cookie and you read your fortune and then you add in between the sheets to the end of it. it makes it way more fun. It's just fun. I mean, sex should be a fun thing. Like, yeah, we've been married for 10 years and we're still finding things out about still each other. Still learning so much sexually like about one another. Still. And so it's, I don't care how long you've been married. I still think there's more to learn about each other because Tons you guys more. are constantly changing. Things are constantly changing. Um, there's new things to try. I don't know. Like no, there's, there's, just there's so new interests. New, there's new, new curiosities. There's new reasons to be intimate, yeah. which can lead to exciting exploration with one another. Um, let me, I just want to share a quick story cause I think it ties into, um, what we're talking about right here with trying new things. Like, I remember being 17 years old and working at Red Lobster, and I remember one night one of the servers found out that I was a virgin at 17 years old, and it blew her mind that yeah. I had not had sex yet. And she I must not have watched The Bachelor, she, the most recent uh, uh, one. Well, The Bachelor was not a thing when I was 17 years old, so there's that. But um, I remember she came up to me partway through that shift, and she said, okay, so let me ask you this. Aren't you worried that you're not going to be good at sex for your wife when you get married? And I remember ta- like like pausing. I remember being like, that's actually a decent question. Right. Like, let me think about that. And I, was, and I told her, like, I'm going to have to think through that. Let me think through that. And so she walked away. And, and a little while later, I finally thought about an answer. And I came back to her and I was like, okay, I have an answer for you. She's like, all right, what? Because I genuinely want to know, like, why you wouldn't want to be good at sex for your wife. And I, I looked at her and I said, honestly, I want to be really bad at sex. And she had the most confused look on her face. And then I looked at her and I said, because here's the thing. If I'm really bad at sex when I get married, it means we're going to have to practice a lot until I'm better at it. And she just died laughing. And and I kind of smiled and I walked away. And I, I have never forgotten that moment because it reinstilled in me this kind of perspective about sex that I've, I've carried with me into our marriage. Yeah. And it's that I want to constantly learn about my spouse. I want to constantly try new things and new ways of being intimate with one another because I feel like it bonds and connects us deeper together and it creates a lasting marriage in a really, really important way. Um, and, and, and so I'm, I'm thankful that like 10 years later, we're still figuring stuff out sexually with one another. Yep. It's a lot of fun. It is fun. Good. Yeah. 